Luke chapter 5, gospel according to Luke chapter 5, and while you're turning, I want to ask you for your prayers, as, as mentioned now, I, I've been in mission work for about the past 10 years, I've been in the ministry going on 28 years, and uh, pastored for most of that time, the last 10 years have been full-time in mission work, primarily nursing homes, prisons, and homeless ministry, and the Lord's really blessed that, but of course you know this pandemic's put quite a shutdown on a lot of that, but uh, during the past few months, uh, the Lord's done a pretty strange work in leading me to pastoring again. I really didn't think I would be there, uh, but he's led me to a church that had been through quite a bit of trouble and some division, and, and he's given us an opportunity, hopefully, to, to lead them out of that, and, and they have followed. I, it's been amazing, I, I, uh, just a series of events. I don't have time to give full testimony tonight, but pray for me because I'm going to be doing both now for a while, pastoring and doing the mission work, and we need God's wisdom to help us to manage our time well and to be most useful for his glory. So we are pastoring. It's only eight miles from my house, which I, I don't, you know, all these years, and it's just right down the road where the Lord's led us to, to minister. So Good Water Baptist Church, if you can remember, keep that in your prayers uh, from time to time. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. If you'd like to stand and honor the reading of the Word of God, I would invite you to do so. Get my old man glasses on here. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 11. The Scripture says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let, your nets, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so also was James, also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Would you join me in the word of prayer? Father, we bow before you this evening, thanking you for this privilege to be in your house and with your people. Thank you for the opportunity to have a copy of your word to read. And now we pray for the leading of your Holy Spirit to guide us as we expound upon the word that it might speak to our hearts, it might challenge us and draw us closer to you. And Father, you might use it to accomplish your purpose and your will here on earth. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness towards us. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, we know we fail you. and We're just so thankful that we can come in repentance at any time. And you promise to be faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, I do pray everywhere that your people are meeting together tonight that you might be present. Father, we especially pray for Brother Jeremiah as he preaches in this revival effort. Lord, give him liberty and thought of expression. And Father, may your spirit move upon the hearts of those that listen Father, speak to us here. Thank you that you can meet anywhere that your people are, and we ask that you might stir here tonight and accomplish your perfect will. We love you, and thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to preach a message I've entitled, Three Invitations from Jesus. Now you could say three callings, three commandments, however you want to verse it. I just chose to use the word invitations. Jesus has been preaching in the synagogues and the surrounding areas of Galilee. People are showing up from everywhere 
to come hear him preach and no doubt also to benefit from him and his miracles or perhaps witness a miracle. Uh, You won't see me do any miracles here tonight, I don't think, but the power is in the Word of God. And can you imagine what it was like to hear Jesus preach? He spoke as one having authority. He didn't speak as the Pharisees and others, you know. Now, the Pharisees were knowledgeable men, and I have no doubt some of them were probably eloquent men. But the difference is he spoke with authority. By the way, let me just side note here, we need more of that today, don't we? We have a lot of educated men. We have a lot of men that can give up, and boy, they can give beautiful speeches. But if the power of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit's right behind it, can I tell you something? All you're going to do is make people feel good and go home. You need the transforming power of authority of the Word of God and the Spirit of God in the message. And I pray God will even help us tonight. I, I told Brother Jim I was going to do a Bible study. He said, we don't want a Bible study. He said, preaching. So well, here you go, Brother Jim. People showing up to hear Jesus. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? But so many people are coming, it says in the beginning of our text, that the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. People are crowding him. They're all around him. So he makes a change to the service format. And here's where we see the first invitation that Jesus gives. An invitation to simple surrender. An invitation to simple service. It says, and he entered into the ship, verse 3, one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. All right, Brother Ben, what did he do that for? Well, there's a variety of reasons. Number one, sound carries better over water, doesn't it? This is a pretty good, I've been to that bowl that they claimed that where all this happened on the, on the, on the, dead, on the red, uh, dead Sea, not Dead Sea, on the Galilee banks. And, and it's amazing what you can hear. It's like a little natural amphitheater sitting there, and especially if he gets away from the crowd. But, you know, if you're too close to people and people are up on top of you, everybody in the back's not going to be able to hear. And they didn't have the PA system and the microphones like we do today. So Jesus said, look, Peter. Let me borrow your boat for just a minute. I'm putting this in southern vernacular. Can you, can, you, can you pull away from the bank? Let me use your boat for a minute so I can speak to these people. Now, simple request. Peter's done fishing. He's, they're done with their boats. They're parked. He doesn't need it for now. Why not, right? Sure, Lord, you can use my boat. We'll, we'll pull out here a little bit and let you preach from it. The first invitation from Jesus, and I believe in our lives we will face this early, and I'm talking to Christians tonight, those who have believed, those who've surrendered their life to the Lord as far as salvation, but I believe there comes another step. I believe the Lord begins to test in some simple areas, am I willing to serve the Lord? Am I willing to give to the Lord? Now, this invitation doesn't require a lot of time doesn't require a lot of effort and doesn't require a lot of resources, right? It's just, Lord, what do you need me for? Yeah, I can do that. It's not much. Most people don't struggle with this part. This is a stage of invitation that most everybody passes. Lord, we'll do a little something. I don't mind giving you a little bit of what's left over. I don't mind giving you a little of my time. Look, we're done fishing. We don't need the boat. We're sitting here anyway. Why not? It doesn't require much separation. Huh? He said, let's just go a little bit apart. Let's just a little ways out, and that's fine. It really doesn't require much, if any, faith does it. I call these the basics of Christian living. The simple things, you know, give a little tithe or a little offering, a little bit of what I got left. Huh? If I've, if I've got any time left over, I'll, I'll go to church, or I might read my Bible, or I might help a neighbor, or I might do something the Lord has called me to do. It's not going to cost me a lot. It's not going to take much time. And really, it's not going to set me apart from anybody too much. An invitation to simple service. Now, please don't think I'm diminishing 
simple service and simple obedience. Luke 16 verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, right? And it's important that we determine who we're going to serve. So I, I believe Jesus here, when he invites Simon to, to be used a little, Simon had no problem doing that. Here we go. Sure, Lord, why not? But now I want to get to the second invitation. If you look down in verse 4, it says, Now when he had left speaking, we don't even get the sermon, do we? We don't even know what he said. We don't, we don't know what all was done here. All we know is he had been given an opportunity to give a little to the Lord. He had given an opportunity to facilitate others hearing the gospel. By the way, and we'll have an opportunity to receive rewards because of that. The Bible tells us, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Don't have to give a lot for God to bless it. So please don't think I'm diminishing it. However, the next invitation is going to be a little more difficult. In verse 4, Jesus turns to him. He says, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. You say, well, what's the big deal, Brother Ben? He's a fisherman. The big deal is what Simon said in verse 5. Master, we've told all the night and have taken nothing. Brother Jeremiah told you I was a crappie fisherman. I've killed more deer than he has too. You let him know that. But you know, uh, before I go crappie fishing, I, I watch moon cycles. I want to know the level of the water. I want to know the temperatures. I want to know what bait I have available, what lake. I'm, there's a lot of variables. And if certain things don't come together, I'm not even going. Then there's been times that I thought all the variables were there, and I went, and guess what? They didn't bite. And I, I've seen them. I don't care what you put in the water or where you put it. It didn't matter. They weren't going to bite it. They just were not going to bite it. And this time, you might as well pack up and go to the house. You're going to waste all day on the water. Imagine, now, these men did this for a living, and this isn't just carrying a little jig around or a minnow somewhere. This is going out there and doing the hard labor of big nets and casting nets and dragging them in and over and over. And they had done this all night long. Anybody here ever worked night shift? Well, a few of you. Now imagine you've just been working all night long, and now you're sitting through a preaching service. Now, I know it's Jesus, and that, that helps, right? But these guys are tired. These guys are worn out. These guys are professionals. Number one, they've been there all night, and they've caught nothing By the way, when you're, when you're fishing with a net and you're catching nothing, that means they are not what? They're not there. And these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. They've done this before. And yet now he's saying, listen, I want you to go out into the deep. I want you to go out a little further. I want you to do a little more labor. Take this boat out there, and I want you to let down your nets for a draw. Uh-oh. Now this is requiring, this invitation requires time. This invitation is going to require energy. This invitation is going to require resources. This is going to inconvenience me at the least and really make life hard on me. At the most. This is, I believe, where most Christians park their boats. Listen to me tonight. We don't mind giving a little, we don't mind doing a little, we don't mind giving of what's left. But don't come ask me to sacrifice anything. Don't, don't come ask me to give of time when I'm breathing. I'm wore out. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I ain't got any energy left. I, I really don't have the time. Listen, this is too inconvenient 
for me to serve the Lord and do what he says. This level, I call it the invitation to test our first faith. Because it is a test of faith. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. And I'm sure to these professional fishermen, this made absolutely no sense to go out there and try to fish again when they've already done it all night. They're tired. They know the fish are not there, and yet he's asking us to go fish again. By the way, it is going to require greater separation, isn't it? Go out a little further. By the way, this level of obedience, this level of commitment to the Lord does require to separate yourself from everybody else. Because everybody else is going to be content to stay back here in simple service. Where it don't require much faith. But he's calling us to go out and go deeper and go fishing. This definitely requires faith. Simon answering said unto him, verse 5, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. I'm glad the verse didn't end there. Here's an important word, nevertheless. Doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter our expertise. It doesn't matter, Lord. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When God speaks to you and God instructs you to do something, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if it doesn't line up. I don't care if all the experts say opposite. Listen to me. You need to say, Lord, if you said it, I'm doing it. Trust him. He's testing your faith. By the way, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For they that come to him, he that cometh to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Lord wants to test whether or not we trust him. He's done that several times in my life. Probably the first time is when I, after I surrendered to preach, and at the time I had graduated from Mississippi College School of Business, I was working as an executive of the Intel Corporation, and I was traveling and had a good salary and doing really well and just enjoying my life. You know, I was serving the Lord. And then came the call to preach. Now, mind you, I'm a fourth-generation preacher. My great-grandfather was a circuit-riding minister. My grandfather was a pastor and a state missionary. He traveled around to jails and did ministry and pastored many churches in the area. My father was a pastor and then a foreign missionary. I grew up in the country of Chile in South America. spent my growing up years. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really want to be a preacher. I knew what preachers had to go through. When the Lord began to deal with me, I know a preacher say, well, I ran from the Lord. I didn't run from it, but I wanted to make sure it was the Lord and not family tradition that was calling me. Because everybody, I guess you're going to be the next little Laird preacher. And I, was, I didn't want that. I wanted to know that it was the Lord. And when he first began to deal with me, though, I thought, not me, surely not me. You see, you don't, you don't know me, but I was very shy. I was an absolute introvert. I'd rather just be by myself in the corner somewhere and quiet. And when he began to call me, I'm thinking, surely not me. Why me? And we have to trust him. And when he finally showed me clearly that it was his calling, it took a step of faith to say, Lord, okay, I'm following you and call me. And then the next step was I'm preaching now, but I'm still working in the company. And then there's this little small church in Lauderdale County that calls me to pastor. Now, you know what? The fact that the Lord had proven that he had called me made it easy to walk away from a big salary to take a little country church for $250 a week. Now, humanly speaking, even the little church said, Brother Ben, we know you've got a good job, and if you just want to come Sundays, that'll be fine. Don't even worry about Wednesday nights or whatever. You know, we, we can't. I said, have I asked you what you pay a preacher? I don't even want to know. By the way, I, the last, every church I've ever taken, I don't want to ask. I don't want to know their salary. I'm not interested. You say, why? Because the Lord is going to take care of us one way or the other. You need to learn to trust him. Quit worrying about 
the salary. But they said, how, how, you know, how are you going to do it? I said, look, just, I'm, I'm trusting him to this point. And that's what happened. Went out and started this little church. Stayed there many years. Lord took care of all our needs. And then some years ago, he called me into this mission work. At the time I was in between churches, I'd wind up as a job at a nursing home. I was working as a chaplain and head of social services and head of quality audience. I don't know, just all these jobs they had piled on top of me. And I was making pretty good money again and kind of enjoying myself, except the fact that I wasn't getting my chaplaincy work done. And one day, I'm running down the hall. I've got several new hire classes going on. I'm trying to do, do the staff meeting with the doctors. I've got this going, that going, and all this. And I looked at my watch, and it was 10 minutes to a service time, and I wasn't ready. So I go sit down at my desk real quick, and I'm flipping the first page. I flip open. Paul says to Titus, Timothy, he said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with affairs of this life, but seeketh to please him who's called him to be a soldier. And the Lord goes, I don't mind you working, but I've called you to ministry. And I knew that day because he's already been dealing with me, and I resigned all the duties except chaplain. I said, I wrote a letter to the administrator. And, and when I went to step down, they were like, look, 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 we, we want you to do this. We want you to administrate. We, we, we. I said, look, it's not about money and position. It's a matter I've got to do what God's called me to do. Well, you know you're going to lose. I said, I understand. Lost 85% of my income overnight. The next week, my wife's transmission went out on the car, another major malfunction, one of the other vehicles. We had $3,000 worth of expenses on the vehicles. I was like, okay. I looked at my wife. You know, I said, in years gone by, we'd have been panicking. But, you know, we just smiled and said, Lord's got something going on. Turned around and uh, was needing a car. I had an old truck about wore out and. Didn't get good mileage. And, I'm st- and some other nursing homes now are calling me to come visit them and do services and preach and teach. And the Lord just opened these doors. And I needed an economical car to get around. So I, I began to pray about it. My, do- my wife's talking to a kinfolk up in North Mississippi one night. And she found out one of them's got a Camry that they're going to trade in. And it's an older car. had a little bit of miles. But it kept really well. And she says, well, how much you want for it? And she says, what's it for? So well, Ben's needing something to use on the mission field. And she's like, well. I'll tell you what, I let him have it for $3,000. I'm like, man, that was a great price on that vehicle. I'm like, man, I don't need to dip into savings. I said, well, tell her she needs to sell it. Go ahead, but the Lord provides, we'll let her know. We got off the phone. We're sitting with the family that evening. We're having family devotion. And I told the family, I said, here's our needs. Look, we got vehicles we need to repair. We need this. This would be a great opportunity to buy this vehicle, but really don't need to spend the money right now unless the Lord provides it. Let's pray. Let's ask God. I don't want you to mention this to anyone. I don't want you to go around even hinting the fact that we have needs. Nobody but God needs to know. And we'll pray. And we got on our knees and prayed as a family. The next day, I'm headed to South America to go back to see the mission work with my father. Where we grew up, we're going down to make a tour of the churches. And On the way to his house, I'm going to the little town of Newton, Mississippi. I know y'all have had Brother Steve Robinson come and preach for you. Um, I was passing through that town, and Brother Steve Robinson calls me, pastor of Cedar Grove Baptist Church at the time, and he says, Brother Ben, this is Brother Steve. Hey, Brother Steve, how's it going? Great, brother. He said, I heard through the grapevine that you may be doing a little mission work right now. I said, well, yes, sir. He said, are you going to work through association, independent? I said, I haven't asked for help from anyone, brother. Honestly, I'm just dependent on the Lord and just looking to him, and the only thing I've asked is the authority of my local church where I'm a member to send me. He said, well, we'd love to support you at some point and talk about it and all. He said, the uh, but we had a meeting last night, and we were having a, a budget meeting. We got a man that gives a lot of money to missions. We got some mission funds, and we just like to get it out there and use it. And he said, so the, he said, the Lord laid you on our heart first. And I said, well, amen. He said, we'd like to send you a little one-time offering to help out, and maybe later on we can help take you on. And I'd love for you to come visit the church, kind of share what you're doing. I said, amen. Thank you, brother, and I appreciate that. And tell the church, thank you. And Lord willing, we'll, 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 we're setting up the date. Just before we get off the phone, he says, uh, I, I, I hope it don't affect your taxes too bad. I'm like, huh? He said, well, they voted to send you $6,000. I'll never forget. I got off the phone and I'm talking to my wife. She said, told her who it was and what happened. And she said, well, I said, you know, in our mind, us offering, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars you know, we're going to thank them for it. And she said, well, how much do they send? I said, how much do we need? She said, we need $6,000. I said, what do we pray for? I said, that's what they're sending my daughters in the back just started crying. It's like, 
I told you, Lord knows. But you know what? He's going to test your faith. Step out and trust him. During this same period of time, I'm headed to a, a, a church member, to, a former church member that had gotten hurt and was in the hospital in Jackson and ICU and their son was in bad condition. And I, I'm, I'm pretty much living, pay, well, I didn't even have a paycheck. I'm just living, you know, week to week and just trying to make it and didn't have a lot of income and waiting on the Lord to lead. And, and the Lord tells me to my heart one day on the way to the nursing home, my daughter's to sing and preach. He said, I want you to go see that family in Jackson, and I want you to take them $200. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying this night, pen ro- no roses on me. I'm just for testimony's sake. And I'm going, okay, don't have it with me, but I'll go get it out of the bank or, you know, whatever you say. And, and he showed me clearly. So on the way there, I didn't tell my daughter. I told one of them. I said, look, just remind me when we leave here, I need to go to the bank. She said, okay. So we go in the nursing home, we have our service, great time. We come out, we get in the car, and first thing she tells me, don't forget to go to the bank. I said, thanks. And I'm about to pull out of the driveway, and I get a text. And there's a man in that same town who owns a business. This is a friend of mine. Hadn't seen him in a while. He says, aren't you going to be around in, in time the next few days? I said, actually, I'm in town today. He's like, uh, would you mind coming by the office for a minute? Well, his office is on the way to the bank. So I said, well, I just I didn't know what he wanted. An old shop there. So I said, well, I'll, I'll drive by there and see what he needs. And on the way there, I get there, and he walks in. He's gone, but his secretary says, he, he left you an envelope he wanted you to have on his desk. And the Lord goes, there's your $200. And I was like, Lord, you just testing if I was going to drive to the bank, wouldn't you? you testing my faith. You're te- you know, this isn't of abundance. This isn't extra. He said, are you going to give what you really don't think you can afford? I walk and get the envelope, and I tell him, tell him, thank, thank him. And I put it in the console. When I get in the car, my daughter says, what's that? I said, it's $200. She says, how do you know? I said, I just know. How do you know? I said, because that's what the Lord told me to go get out of the bank. And she couldn't stand it. I said, well, open it if you don't believe me. And she pulls it open. There's $200 bill sitting right there. <laughs> Look, I keep, by the way, if you don't do this, I keep a list. I'll be glad to show anybody after church. I keep a list of all the miracles that God answers prayers. So I can go back and read it. The next time that the Lord calls me to do something and I've got excuses. Lord, I've worked all night. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, the fish ain't there. Lord, the people are not going to listen. Nobody's going to listen to me. Lord, I can't do this. God's going, look, if I tell you, just do it. If I tell you to march around the city and just shout, just do it. If I tell you to step into the water, just step into the water. Don't ask questions, right? Too often today, even in the modern church, we're too concerned about, you know, figuring it all out and making sure we got everything in place and the right people and all the monies. And, 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 and listen, this is God's church. And as God's people, we need to learn to walk by faith. I'm, taking, I'm afraid we've taken a lot of that out of it. You're... you're I like your theme for the year, staying engaged. Hey, listen, you say, well, things have changed and to slow down. Well, step on the clutch and change gears. Engage still. It might be different and there's a lot of change, but I'm going to tell you something. You still need to be moving. Don't use it as an excuse to sit back. You say, well, it's going to be harder. Yes, that's okay. Keep going. It's going to cost more. Yeah, go ahead. It's going to take more time and energy. Amen. Lord's testing our faith. You see, most people, this is where they hang up in their Christian walk. We will go as long as it's easy, but as soon as it costs me something, as soon as it requires something, then, Lord, you mean I got to walk by faith? Yeah, the just shall live by faith. But see, it brings opportunities. It gives us opportunities to give liberally. It gives us opportunity to see others come and observe God's power, right? I mean, did you notice what happened here when they obeyed? They went out there. Oh, what a story, huh? Lord, nevertheless, it's your word. And they went out there and they dropped the nets. And, man, they had so many fish they couldn't hold them. They had to call the other ship over there and fill both of them up. They're both sinking. But did you notice what it said? Peter was astonished. He's falling down as his knees before the Lord. But it says he was astonished, verse 9, and all that were with him at the drought of fishes that they had taken. Let me tell you something. Your obedience through faith can produce bountiful blessings for a lot of people. It's not just for you. Our obedience and faith can be a blessing to others and reach others and they can see God's work. 
an opportunity to bless. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, not glorify you, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. This was a miracle. They knew these men knew about fishing. They knew they'd been all night. They knew they'd done quit for the day. And yet they go out there and they get more fish probably than they'd ever caught. Because Jesus said do it. Now there's one more invitation though. If you don't pass number two, you'll probably not get number three. You with me? If you never pass the simple test... (laughs) You're more than likely not even a child of God. Let me just go ahead and put it that way. If you pass the simple test and you're willing to give a little and do a little, then God next is going to come up with a harder test to test your faith, to see if you really trust him. He's going to ask you to do things that don't make sense, that don't line up, that don't feel right, but that he will unquestionably show you is his will. If you pass that test, listen to what comes next. Verse 10 and 11, and it was so that also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. If you read Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, follow me, and I will make you, what, fishers of men. Here we have an invitation to complete commitment. To full surrender. He's not asking for little. He's not asking for more. He's asking for everything. Everything. This level of commitment requires full surrender. It requires the most separation. (laughs) And it requires a deep faith. You see, he's asking you to trust him completely with your whole life. You see, these fellows fished for a living. I don't know how much time and money they had invested in these boats and these nets. I know they were uneducated men, but this is hard work. It takes a lot of time and energy to build all this and to build this up and learn the waters and provide for your families. And we know they had families. And now... This poor man who doesn't even have a home. I remind homeless people that all the time. Jesus was homeless. He comes to them and he invites them to follow him. And he's not offering a retirement plan. He's not offering a steady income of any sort. He just says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. By the way, this is not the only time that Jesus has asked people to leave it all. You remember the rich young ruler came to him one time, feeling pretty good about himself. He'd kept all the law, he thought, you know, up to the point of loving his neighbor and doing all the good things, obeying his parents. And Jesus loved him for him. But you know what he tested him on next? Do you love God with all your heart? Are you willing to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me? And we know the story ended there that that man went away. What? Sad. Here you have men, maybe they didn't have the riches of this man, but they left everything they had. They left their livelihood. They left behind their families to go and follow the Lord in ministry with no promise of anything other than just follow me. Now, I'm sure the fact that they had seen his miracles, the fact they saw that they could catch these fish that he could provide, and I have no doubt he proved to them that, yes, I am the one that can provide for you. You can trust me. But now I want to prove that to a complete level of full surrender. Listen to me tonight. I don't think this is reserved just for preachers, just for missionaries, just for evangelists. I believe every Christian should at some point in their life be brought to this place where you have determined to give him everything. With this idea, if he called me to go to China, would I go? If he called me to preach, would I preach? 
If he called me to teach a Sunday school class, if he just called me to be more faithful than attendance, if he called me to read the Word, listen, what would he call me to do? If God asked you to do anything, would you do it tonight? I dare say if you've never passed level two, he's probably not even going to try. You've not even learned to test the Lord. Try me and see, said the Lord. The test of our faith. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants that from all of us. Matthew 10, verse 37, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. I've heard parents say this. I hope God doesn't call my children to mission field. Can I say if that's your attitude, then you haven't given them to the Lord, have you? You've not surrendered your life. Now, I'd be right there with you. I want my grandbabies and my family as close as I could have them. But listen, I want God's will to be done. And whatever that might cost me, we should desire to do His will. If you have any area of your life tonight that you would hold back from him, then you've never fully surrendered. And notice what he says. You're not worthy of me. If you love your family, if you love your houses, your lands, or anything more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. Verse 38, and he that taketh not his, what? Cross. An instrument of pain and torture and death. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it. That means if you're finding the life you want here. And by the way, that's really what it boils down to. What are we looking for out of this life? To enjoy myself, to enjoy my family, to have my retirement, to enjoy my pleasures. Is that what we're here for? The Bible says we're bought with a price. We're not our own. We don't belong. I remember I'm speaking to believers tonight first. You don't belong to yourself. Now, sometimes God's will and God's purpose and plan for my life might line up with what I want to do. And if that's the case, then amen, praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Many times it will be opposite of what I intended, opposite of what I planned, opposite of what I would have enjoyed. Am I willing to surrender all? He that findeth his life, find the way you want it, shall lose it. And he that loseth his life, for my sake shall what? Find it. I think of God who spoke to Abraham. By the way, Abraham, the father of faith, right? When God called him out of Ur, did he give him a, pl a plan and a map of everything he was going to do with him? Mm -mm. If you read that, as far as I can find, he didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, leave, and basically I'll show you when you get there. He didn't show him the health care. He didn't show him retirement plan. He didn't show him anything. He just said, go. How many of you, if God told you to do that today, just say, go sell your house, pack up your stuff, and get on the road? <laughs> By the way, my father, you know, I had a pastor out in Texas ask me to come out and do a family conference and the reason he, what he wanted me to touch on, he said, Brother Ben, he said, you're third, fourth generation of people that have served the Lord. He said, honestly, that's rare. Most of the time you might find one or two, and then somebody usually drops the ball. And you see families go away from the Lord. And you see that pattern in the Scripture a lot of times. He said, what would you credit the difference in your family? What do you think happened? What was, what went, and boy, I began to rack my brain. I thought, well, you know, yeah, I had good parents, but... No, they were like everybody else. They had their weaknesses and failures. And what made the difference? What drew me to serve the Lord? What caused me to want to live by faith? And the more I thought about it, I said, you know what? It's because I had a grandfather and a father and a mother that not only preached the Word of God, they lived it. Much like Paul told Timothy, the, the unfeigned faith that was in thee that was also in your grandmother and your mother. You see, unfeigned means not put on. It's, it's not something we put on to go to church and something we pretend. It's lived out daily. 
See, I had a father that got up and preached and taught, and he taught people to read their Bibles, and you need to be in the Word of God. But you know what? He just didn't preach that. At 5.30 or 5 o'clock every morning, there was a, y'all get up. Let's go to the living room. Let's go. And you know, before breakfast or anything else, we were in the living room get doing what? Reading the Word of God. I've heard my daddy call people to pray and teach people to pray and say, you need to be praying. But you listen, I've caught my daddy praying in the middle of the night. I remember one, just one time it stands out so strongly. I got up in the middle of the night. I was a young teenage boy going to eat something in the kitchen, you know, hungry, hungry. South American, we're down there, and I went down the hall, and I'm, I'm going through the refrigerator getting some milk and some cookies or whatever. And, and I'll never forget, there was a strange glow down the hall to the left. They had a little office down there where he, and I thought, mm, somebody's in the house. I saw a little light on in there. I was like, boy, and I tiptoed down there, and I was getting ready to do see maybe have an intruder. And I, I peek around, and I hear somebody talking. I ease around, and my daddy's on his knees. He's praying. He's praying out loud. He's got a lot of burdens in the mission field, a lot of things going on as he's praying for all this. And then he turns and he's praying for me. Lord, protect me. Lord, watch over him. Lord, call him. Lord, use him. You see, I realized my daddy's faith was real. It wasn't something he just putting on in front of people. He lived it out. And that increased my faith. That helped me to know, listen, the God we serve is real. This isn't some story. This isn't talking about what other people have gone through. This is what's taught me to pray and seek the Lord and trust Him. But it requires a commitment to surrender all. It's always worth it. See, God told Abram, He said, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward I know I've called you out but listen don't worry about it I got you isn't that the same thing he just told the disciples the first words was what fear not one of the greatest hindrances to you being obedient to God is what fear Lord I'm afraid I can't or I'm, I'm afraid of what might be or I'm afraid of what's down the road listen God says fear not. See, when you have faith, faith and fear can't, co- can't live together, can they? And when you learn to trust him and, you, and he's proven himself o'er and o'er and you go back and look at what he's done in the past, maybe in our simple surrenders, maybe in, in, the, in the things that were a little bigger, we did a little more. By the way, the times you've given a little more in the offering, the times you gave a little more of your service to the Lord in the church, the times you've witnessed, maybe the times you've stepped out a little when you didn't feel like it. Let me ask you something. Has it always paid off? Amen? I challenge anybody here tonight who ever stepped out in obedience to what God called you. Now, I'm not saying what man or what your feelings, but what God called you to do, that God did not meet the need. I've never outgiven the Lord. So you know when it came time to surrender all, you say, I know who's with me. I know who's, who I'm following. I can trust him. Then we have an opportunity to give everything. Then we have an opportunity to become a full-time witness. Then we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of God's presence and God's power. Boy, those disciples got to follow him and watch all kinds of things, didn't they? They got to see him do amazing miracles. They got to see people healed. They got to see people forgiven. By the way, they even got to experience some of that power in their own lives. He says, send them out. To do his work. Why? Because they completely committed their lives. They left behind their ships. They left behind their nets. And they followed Jesus. If you read in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in his sermon there says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for the body, what you shall put on. That's most people's fears and worries. Am I going to be taken care of at this? And God's telling you, listen, take no thought for tomorrow. You simply, and he gets on down in that message and he says, Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that everybody else in the world is worried about. He said, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll add it to you. And he knows how much and when and where that he can give us. It's simply a matter of us trusting him and serving him. I want to close tonight asking this question. 
What stage are you in? Are you still in the simple surrender, the simple obedience stage, you know, little things? You give, your, you know, you give money to the church, but just from what's left over. I'll give a little, you know, you, you kind of go through your wallet and you go past all the hundreds and you pull out a little five or a one. Has the Lord ever laid it on your heart to give money that you had planned for something else? By the way, I've got to give another testimony right here because it's too strong. Time's up. Mm. Brother Jim's heard this testimony. I had not told a lot of people. I was in college. I met my wife. We were courting or dating, whatever you want to call it at the time. And we went to a church one Wednesday night together. Never been to before. And we get there and by the way, at Mississippi College, anybody know about it, it's expensive. And I was poor and I was broke. I had scholarships, played soccer, still was broke. I had a $10 bill left in my name for the whole week. And that's all I had. That was gas money, food money, everything. We go into this church service. We were sitting there and this so happened. I had a missionary from the Philippines come in. And he gave a wonderful presentation just to bless my heart. And I was just excited. Well, the pastor got up and said, we don't want to take advantage of visiting. We're going to take up an offering for this missionary. It's nice, so we're going to have prayer. And while we're bent over praying, the Lord goes, I want you to give that $10. I reach my wallet, and I'm pulling it out. Mr. Dane, my wife's my girlfriend, time looks over, and she knows that's all I got. She knows the money. And so when I'm pulling out, she looks at me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and she just, you know, she gave me this. And I'm just, I kept waving her off. Anyway, finally they got through and offering plates come by and I pitch it in. And she just rolls her eyes, looks around. We greet everybody, get out in the car. We're about to head home. She looks at me, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? That's all the money you had for the week, wasn't it? I said, yeah. Well, how are you, what are you going, how are you going to get home? Where are you going to eat? I said, look, I don't know. All of those the Lord told me to give it. She said, well, Lord, don't expect you to give what you don't have. I said, I had it, didn't I? I said, don't worry about it. He'll provide. Just don't worry about it. All I know is he, t- I learned this a long time ago. He tells you to do something. I wouldn't have given him, he hadn't told me, but he told me. Okay. Roll dry. We get to the campus the next day. I had to go eat in the cafeteria because I did have a little cafeteria credit. Now, oh, man. So we walked to the cafeteria to eat, and then we had this little routine. We got to eat, and we'd always walk downstairs, check our mailbox. I never got any mail, so I never checked mine. I just walked on her. And we go down there, and she's checking her mail, and I'm standing there with her. And something just made me look up in my box. It was about the third level up. And I look up, and there's something in there, a little bitty window. I said, I got something. I had to look up my code. I didn't even remember my combination. I opened it up, and I pull out an envelope, and I'm like, where in the world? And it was some church I'd never heard of. I opened it up, and it was a card from a bunch of ladies that I'd never heard of, some women's prayer group. How they got my name to this day, I don't know. But there's a card in there that says, you know, Lord, just lay it on our heart, and we're praying for you, wanting to be a blessing to you. A bunch of little ladies that signed it, and there's a $100 check sitting right there. I pick it up. I said, Ms. Redana. She said, what? I said, look here. She's like, what's that? I said, $100. She says, from who? I said, the Lord. Her jaw dropped. Now, I believe the Lord did that. Like you said, that was a simple step to teach her. Years go by. We're married. We're the first little church. We've, got a, we've saved up some money. We've been living in a little mobile home and ain't big as nothing. I've saved up some money from when I did work, and we had enough money to kind of get started on a house. You know, you ladies like your houses, don't you? Oh, we had big plans. We figured start on a house. Black it in, get it all done. I got some money in the bank sitting there ready to go. One of our churches in Chile has really outgrown its little prefab building that Daddy had built out of wood. Nowhere to grow. They bought a little piece of property, but they needed a church building. They're very poor. So we began a, a project to help them build a building. And the churches down there, I mean, people selling bread, doing whatever they can. And some of our churches are taking up offerings. And one day the Lord goes, Ben, won't you give a big chunk of that house money to them? Church building project. Now, I didn't have a problem, but I'm thinking, oh boy, got to talk about this to mama, don't we? So I walk in there and I remember sitting there with my wife. I said, baby, I can talk to you a minute. She said, what is it? I said, the Lord's laid on my heart something about maybe helping this building project. 
He's laid this amount on my heart to come out of our building fund to do it. You know, and I'm sitting back expecting. She goes, hey, if the Lord told you to do it, we better do it. I said, you know this means we're going to have to put the brakes on our project. Wait, that's fine. You do what the Lord says. I'm all for it. Amen. I know, like I said, I ain't told a lot of people this. We gave it, moved on, went about our business. Sometime later, we had enough to kind of get it blacked in and kind of get started. And long story short, as we're building this project, I was going to finish. We were just, I was going to build as I went, try to save. But finally, I decided I was just going to go take out a loan to finish it out. Inside's where it gets expensive. And uh, I got a call, and I was talking to somebody one day, and they were talking, discussing my building project. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'm fixing to borrow the money and finish it on that. Don't do that. I said, why? I said, well, they put restrictions on you in time and all this. You don't want to do that. I said, well, he said, look, I want to loan it to you. I was like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I got, I got some money. I want to loan it to you. and uh, We'll just work it out from there. And I was like, no, I yeah, he insisted, insisted. So we borrowed the money, finished out the house, over hundred and something thousand dollars. I called this individual back and I said, look, I'm start, let's figure out a payment plan. I'm much, I don't want to enter. Let me just, he said, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll sit down and talk about it. Kept on, kept on. One day he said, look, I just wanted to be a blessing to you. Enjoy. Listen, you can't outgive the Lord. Trust him. I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm not telling you to go out and do what you please or what just excites you. I'm telling you, if God leads you and tells you to do something, trust him. Here's the wonderful part. When you trust him and you follow him, he's going to make you a fisherman. He's going to make you one of the people that go out there and witness to people. And you'll have some, some of God's works in your life and some experiences of faith that people will be drawn to and can see. And you can share and say, look, I serve a living Savior. I serve the God and the King of Kings. Listen, I serve one that can provide, and he wants to save you. That's a powerful testimony. Where are you? Simple faith? Maybe you're stuck in that second stage. God's been asking you to do some things a little more than you've been doing. And yeah, it's going to cost, and yeah, it's going to hurt, and that's going to take time. Are you willing? Try him. Some of you may be past that stage and God's already gotten you to the point he's asking you to give up everything. There may be some here tonight that God's been dealing with to call to ministry or call to fully surrender their lives. And you've been holding back out of fear. God's inviting you tonight to fear not. Just trust him. Put your faith in him and watch him work. Listen, there's a world around us that needs him, right? We're in dark days. There's tough times. I understand all that. Listen, it's time to stay engaged. It's time to follow him and do what he's called us to do. Would you tonight? I don't know what stage you're in. God knows and you know. Whatever stage you're in, would you move to the next one? Would you be willing to grow in faith? Jesus invites you tonight to follow him. Father, 